0: So tonight, I decided to teach about a spiritual covering. And this is a very famous psalm as our main scripture. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, it's important where you set yourself down. It's important where you park your camper. It's important where you decide to call home. It's important where you rest up. It says here, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me, deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And I taught before that when it's speaking about feathers, it's, it's speaking about a spiritual covering. Of course, we know that we speak about angels' wings, but in all honesty, angels don't need wings to fly. When it's speaking about uh, wings in Isaiah, it's speaking about a covering, a spiritual covering, and as I said, wherever you are tonight, whatever you're going through, you need to be at, a, at the secret place, a place where you can get covered, where you can be protected, where you can be rescued, where you can be delivered. You know, in the Old Testament, when we start out in Genesis, uh, we see something interesting, or at least something that I have I've seen, is how God works. You know, a spirit is not something that you can see When we talk about a spirit, the Bible says that no man hath any time has seen God as a pure spirit. But through the Holy Spirit, through the revelation of the spirit becoming flesh, we can look upon Jesus Christ. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it speaks about the first covering that was given to us. All of us in here tonight came in with some clothes on, right? A good thing too. Amen. None of us would have wanted to come in here naked. None of us are so so proud of our physiques and our bodies that we would want to show it off that much. Amen. I don't have a six-pack. Amen. never had and probably won't. Amen. Uh, But God gave us a covering. Amen. A spiritual covering. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, which is really the word, and man became a living soul. That means a a spiritual thing was incorporated into a fleshly body and the flesh became the covering. So really what it's saying is when the spirit, the logos, activates in the physical, it manifests using breath. That's why in the New Testament, Jesus said to Nicodemus, it says the wind blows where it wants to and you can't see it. But you hear the sound of it. He was speaking about being born of the spirit. He likened it to a to wind, to a breath, to a whoosh. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. That's how God's spirit moves. It says when the spirit activates in the physical, it manifests using breath. And that's what we see that it says that God breathed into man and he became a living soul. You ever been running and running and you get winded? And then you catch, they say, your second breath, and you're able to keep going. That's exactly what I'm speaking about, that God's second breath is what is going to enable us to get through. Right now, many of us may be winded and, you know, about to give up. I remember um, I've gone through cycles of fitness and not being fit. And I remember my very first attempt to, way back in the 80s, I remember I had a friend who was in the military, and he said, come on, let's go down to the park, put on some some military boots, which is the worst thing for running in. But we did that, we went down to this park. And I could not make it the whole way, even once around this quarter mile track without being, almost feeling like I was going to drop. But he kept on pushing me, and pushing me. And that's what it's going to take today to make it. You're going to have to be pushed to get that second wind. So when the spirit moves, when God wants to activate something in the physical, he does it through the spirit, and it, it manifests through the breath, and then the breath becomes the spoken word. Remember, every time God created something, what did he say? Let there be. Let there be. He spoke something. into Every time he said, let there be, the only answer is? And it was so. When God speaks, there is no possible resistance to his words. So if you can get God to speak something into your life, no matter what it is you're battling, no matter what you're going through, the only answer is, and it was so. All we have to do is get God to speak a word into our life. And that's what we're talking about tonight. It says, as the spoken word, Rama." So the, the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. But when he wanted to do something, that, that movement became a breath. And that breath formed words. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And so that first covering that God gave was really the word of God. The Bible says something really profound and deep. It says it's the invisible things that are eternal. The things you can't see are the things that are truly eternal. Now that makes no sense, but it's things like love, right? It's the invisible things. The moment you buy something like a car or a house... What happens to it? It starts to depreciate. The moment you drive it off the lot, you've already lost $2,000. If the things that you can see are the things that are going to decay and fade away, it's the invisible things. God's love, God's word, the Bible says, that is truly eternal. So we're going to look at that. So the word became flesh. And when, when that flesh manifests, it becomes a son of God. When it's covered... By the Spirit, it becomes a son of God. And I want to illustrate that with um, a parable that you all know very well in the New Testament. And that's the story of the prodigal son. And it's not so much all that he did. Because we know the story. He went out and he took all the father's blessings and all the father's riches. And he had himself a good time until the money ran out. And you know the money will run out. The good looks will run out. You know, I was paging through uh, YouTube, and it put up these, these uh, I don't know what they call them. And it, sh- it was going through all of these actresses, and what they look like now, and what they look like in their 20s. And it was quite surprising, and it brought home to me the fact that what's on the outside is not eternal. We're all going to age. We're all going to, uh, in the end, turn back to dust. It's the, it's the invisible things that you can't see that are eternal. Now, we know that the prodigal son, he made a mess of his life. He, he went out and he wasted all the, the father's money. He parted until the money ran out. When the money runs out, you know what else runs out? The, the friends. All the people say, hey, come on over here. When they know you don't have nothing, they won't be so quick to invite you. As long as you got something... Come on over here. But the time came when everything came to an end for him. And there was a famine in that land. And you know the story. In Luke 15, 17, he ended up working as a pig farmer, which for a Jew was a terrible thing. Because to them a pig was, or a swine was an unclean animal. So the worst thing you could end up doing was living among pigs. In fact, he got so bad he was eating what the pigs ate. And finally in Luke 15, 17, he says, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Now I don't want you to lose track of what I'm talking about. Spiritual coverings. He came to himself and he said, you know what? I better, if I went back to father's house, even if he just made me a servant, I'd be doing better than how I'm living now. Sometimes we have to come to the, as they say, the end of our rope before we actually give it up to God. Verse 18 says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, I want to make this point. He had come from the pigsty He had been living that way for some months. So you can imagine what he looked like. Filthy, raggedy, torn up. Maybe he had sores. Maybe he looked totally unrecognizable. Nevertheless, the father was there looking for him. Every day looking for him. And the father did not say, Well, you know, you're going to have to have a a wash. You're going to have to get cleaned up. You're a mess. You stink. What did the father do? The Bible said he ran towards him and embraced him. But here is the thing. The first thing that the father did was do what? He covered him up. So the first thing he called for was bring the best robe. Before he even washed him or cleaned him up, He put a covering on Him so that nobody could see the state of His Son. That's what I'm talking about tonight. You know, it's not by works. It's not because of any goodness we have done. But we're really all like the prodigal son. We came to Him just that way even though we didn't realize it. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. And yet God has covered us up. The first thing He did was called for the robe so that nobody could see the state of his son. And he covered him up. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Not just the, you know, the kitchen stuff. Bring forth the best. God is so merciful and so gracious. He will cover us up so no one can see the mess or the failures And that's what I'm talking tonight about, a spiritual covering. That it's only the Father can do that. We can't do it ourselves. Our best efforts at being good or trying to make ourselves do stuff is failure. So this is what happened. He covered him up so that no one could see the state. Now I'm sure he, afterwards, once he got to the house, he said, now you need to go get wash. You need to cl- clean up. We're going to throw you a party, but you need to go get clean. But the first thing he did, so when he was walking back to the house, nobody could s- see the shame. That's what our Heavenly Father will do for us. He covers up our mess, our shame. You see, that first covering was even so much better than in this story. It was really the Spirit of God. That's what God breathed into Adam Not only uh, this unique part of his soul, but then he covered him with a spiritual covering. And this is what Jesus said to John. If you're going to make it to heaven, it's not going to be by things you do. There's nothing we can do to make it to heaven on our own. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the truth is, our first, first round, our first round has been messed up. We need a, do, a do-over. All of us need a do-over. Jesus then in verse 5 said it again, but tried to make it uh, more fully explainable. He said, verily, verily, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There were people who thought the covering was their own goodness or their own good works. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, I want to be your disciple. Look at all the stuff I've done. Jesus asked him, Have you you kept the law? He says, Yeah, I've done everything. He thought he could get in based upon stuff he had done, but it does not work that way. It took the Father to cover the Son. It took God's Spirit to cover us. In the Old Testament, we see that modeled even in the Building of the tabernacle and of the temple. They had left Egypt with nothing, right? They were slaves. They were in Egypt. And finally the Egyptians said, Okay, we're tired of you and all these plagues. You get out of here. You go. And so they had to go that very night with what they could carry. What they could carry. So they didn't have time to build houses in the desert. They had to camp. They had to build tabernacles. In other words, tents. And what God is using that model as, that right now, we're on a journey. We may have left Egypt. We may have decided we want to follow God. So we've, we've rejected Egypt and its gods. And maybe we've taken just a few steps. And so, we're on this journey. And what we're given is this tabernacle here, this body. It's the only one we got right now, right? And so, God said He used models in the Old Testament to bring forth what he was trying to express. In Hosea 12.10 he says, I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes. What he means, I've used models. I've used some of the things that I told the, the Jews to do. In, in them doing it, in the ceremonies, I was trying to convey something to you. I was making a model for you to understand. And so the first thing he told them once they got out of Egypt is to make me a dwelling place. Make me a tent. It couldn't be permanent because they were on a journey. God is not going to give us our permanent bodies yet because we haven't got there yet. Right? You You don't build a permanent building when you're on a journey. All you can do is carry a tent. So this right now is our tent the tabernacle was temporary it was a temporary covering for the presence of god this is supposed to be a temporary dwelling place for the presence of god it's our temporary covering while we are on this journey and so while they were on the journey god told them to build this tent and he gave them very exact details how they should build it exactly to the to the you know to the centimeter how they should build it and even to what the materials were to be made of, and the journey really was going to be in three stages. Three stages. I'll I'll try and turn the heat down a little bit. It gets gets a little bit warm in here now. But the tabernacle was temporary. It wasn't permanent. Here, Paul is explaining that in Second Corinthians five one, he says it was just a temporary covering. What we've got here, thank goodness, is just a temporary covering. Because now, when I go down the stairs, I find out my tent is wearing out. <laughs> The muscles don't work quite like they used to. Here's what Paul said. He says, For if for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this tent, were dissolved, if we were to die, God has got a much better building. He's got the permanent dwelling place, the, 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 the permanent covering. This is just the temporary covering. And house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You see... We can't go to heaven naked. As I said, none of you came in here naked. And I said, thank goodness for that. I'm glad that I have clothes on. Amen. But similarly, we have to have a spiritual covering if we're going to make heaven. We have to have these covered spiritually and that's what we have to grasp and understand and make sure. In Exodus 25, 9, God told Moses, you've got to build it exactly this way. He didn't give him a choice how he was going to build that temporary tent. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. So it started at the entrance uh, with what they call the outer court. And the first thing you came across was the brazen altar, which is where they would uh, do the sacrifices. Then the next thing was a, a bronze laver where the priests would wash and clean up after the sacrifice. And then you came to the inner tent, the inner court. And inside that, when you came in through the veil, there was the candlestick, the menorah. And then on your right was the table with the bread. And then right in front of you was the altar of incense. Moses was told how to make all of these things precisely because, as I read in Hosea, God wanted to use this as a model. I'm going to show you the model. Then the final part was called the Holy of Holies. And behind that second curtain was where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. And of course, nobody could go in there and look at it or else they would die. Because no one had the proper covering to go behind there. Once a year, the high priest was allowed to go behind there. If he had the covering, he would sacrifice a kid of a goat And he would take the blood and some incense from off of the golden altar and he would pour it on a a shovel with all the coals. And the steam coming off of that provided a covering so that he could go behind the veil and look through the steam at the Ark of the Covenant, at the very presence of God. But if he was not accepted, he would die right there as soon as he went behind there. So they had to have a rope around him, and he had some bells on his garment. As long as the bells was ringing, they knew he was still alive. So you don't dare go behind that and not make sure that you were right with God, because you know you weren't coming out, at least not walking out. Someone would have to pull you. Now, this tabernacle, in fact, God chose it to model Our own bodies. That's what this tabernacle is trying to show. This covering, this temporary covering. And so the outer part is the body. The outer court represents the body. The holy place where the three things were represents our soul. And the last place, the holy of holies, represents our spirit. And that's why he told him to model it as a tent. Because this is just a temporary covering. This was not a permanent place for God to dwell. It was just temporary. That's why I kind of lost my fear a little bit of death when I realized that it was always God's intent. It's appointed for man once to die. And then comes the judgment. See, God had prepared something permanent much better than this thing. This thing was temporary. It was just a temporary recovery. We need it right now. But one day, one day, we're going to get the permanent dwelling place. And so for 40 years, a generation, they went from Egypt into the desert and this was their tabernacle. This was the covering for the dwelling place of God. This was the covering. But finally, after 40 years and they crossed over into Canaan, into the promised land, after a few years of being there, David decided, you know what? It's terrible that I live in a palace and God's place is just a tent. I want to build a permanent covering for the Ark of the Covenant. But God told him, no, David, you can't do that. You, you killed too many people. You've been a man of war. You, you've been a warrior and you've shed too much blood. But I'll let your son build it. And so David, all during his life, he collected all the parts for the tabernacle. He made sure all the wood and the gold and everything was prepared. So that when he died, Solomon came and was able to build the tabernacle, I mean the, the temple, the permanent dwelling place, in seven years. Which normally it would have taken many, many more years to build such a magnific- magnificent building. But the difference between the tabernacle and the temple was just orders of magnitude. The temple was so beautiful. It was lined with gold. Try and understand that what I'm trying to tell you is that God has got a temple For us. In John chapter 14, he said what? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. But I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. So God has got a new place, a new covering. This is just the temporary Tabernacle, But while we have it, the Bible says we have to present it as a living sacrifice. So right now we're in this temporary tent. And that's why it seems so difficult sometimes. Because a tent is not really that secure. The wind can come through sometimes and you can feel it. It's not maybe as warm as a, as a permanent dwelling. In Acts 15, 16, when they had the first council... Uh, James got up and he quoted this. He says, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. We are just now in a temporary tabernacle. This is not what God has promised us. This is not the end result. And I'm so glad of that that there is something much better. That we have a home prepared in the heavens. This tabernacle is subject to to temptation. It's subject to temptation devastation. It's subject to pain. It's subject to all of the, the things that happen. But God has something temporary to get us through this and I, I just want to get there. In Revelation 11.2, it speaks about the court which was on the outside of the temple. Don't, don't measure that. Leave it out. Because it is given to the Gentiles. Remember I said that the court represented the body. So God is not as concerned with our body as we are as concerned with it, because he's got something better. If our eyes could be open to a glimpse of heaven just for a little bit, if we could get a vision of what God has prepared, nothing else in this life would matter. I've always said that if we could just get one glimpse of heaven, amen. So the temple represents the next stage. In First Kings 8.10, It talks about when the temple was finally built and what happened. The glory of God came down and filled it so much that they could not minister. In 1 Kings 8.10. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Even though this is a temporary tabernacle, we still want God's glory to fill us. And He can In doing this, they had prepared for this ceremony. They prepared for seven days for this event. What I'm trying to say, coming up in January, we will be dedicating a whole month to sanctification, to getting closer to God, to fasting, to praying, as we do every year, so that this temple will be ready for the glory of God to fill it. I want God's glory in my life because without it, I'm not going to make it. Without that robe put around me, I'm going to be in my filthy rags. We want the Father to cover us. So the temple was built for His glory, not for mine. It's not because of anything I can do, but because of His glory. He wants us to be ready for Him to permanently fill it. Amen. And as Jesus told Nicodemus, He says, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit... He can't enter the kingdom. So we have to be covered. Uh, This whole lesson has been about a spiritual covering. In Revelation 21, 27 it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. In the book of Revelation, in the first three chapters, chapters 2 and 3, We see Jesus and He sends a message to the churches. And the last one He sends a message to is called the Church of Laodicea. And that word means to please the people. To please the people. I'll get back to that. In Revelation 3.17 He says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing, and knowest not thou that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind, and naked. Sometimes we don't even realize the state we're in. A lot of times you cannot see yourself. You know, it's like playing chess. Sometimes you can't see the move because you're sitting there. And someone else sitting around can see some really good move. Sometimes you have to, someone has to tell you, man, did you see what you could have done? Sometimes we have to let the Lord speak through someone to hold up a mirror so that we can see ourselves. This church in Revelation didn't realize that they were spiritually naked, that they needed a covering because they were a rich church. They had all kinds of stuff. They had maybe a beautiful building. He says, but thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. We can never cover ourselves. We have to come to God just like the prodigal son and the father will cover us. That's what came home to me. The fact that he didn't even let him get to the house to cover him so that nobody could see the fact that his son had come home all beaten up and all messed up. He covered him. God is wanting to cover your wounds right now. He's wanting to bring deliverance to you right now. But you have to be like the prodigal son. He says, I'm going to have to go home. I'm going to have to make sure. He got up left the pigsty, and went home. And that's the key. The Father's love is strong enough. The robe is prepared. The ring is prepared. But we have to come to Father's house. Amen. The covering that Jesus gave us was more permanent because all they could do was kill all of these animals and sprinkle the blood as a covering for the soul. But as I've taught so many times, that wasn't good enough because the animal had no choice. It didn't say, take me. I want to be your sacrifice. It gave its life unwillingly. But Jesus said, for this cause came I into the world. He knew why he came. He knew why he was here. He knew that he had to go to the cross. And because of that, his blood is so powerful that it can cover our sins. It can wash away our sins. It can make us whole. I want to talk now about some coverings that God provides for us if we come back to father's house do you know that we're covered from accusation 1st Thessalonians 5:23 and the very god of peace sanctify that means separate you holy and i pray god your whole spirit your whole soul and body be preserved blameless didn't say innocent it said blameless unto the coming of our lord jesus christ because because of his death, nobody can see the mess we are. Because his blood covers. Amen. Once we truly repent and come back to Father's house, the robe is ready. He'll call the servants. He'll call the angels. And he says, bring the best robe. Cover. We're covered from accusation. You know, all they could see was the son's head because that robe covered him from, from neck to foot. Oh, he's back. And he's, he's back in his sonship place because, look, he's wearing the ring. Not only did he cover him, but then he gave him the ring, showing that he was backed as his son. That's what covered from accusation means. The Bible says in Revelation 12 and 10 I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser, Satan, because he wants to bring up our past. Someone said, well, all you have to do is show him his future. (laughs) He wants to tell us about all the mess we did. We need to tell him about where he's going to end up. He wants to bring up our past. He's the accuser. He wants to bring us into shame and condemnation. Imagine if the son had had to walk all the way back to the house with all of the servants watching him in that mess, with all the tattered clothes and all, however he was. The father knew that. He covered his shame. He covered the accusations. All they could see was the son was in the best robe with the ring on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you come to God, you are covered from any accusation of Satan. You need to tell him his future, that he's destined for the lake of fire. Amen. You can tell him that the father has put the robe on you. He's given you the ring of sonship. And there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for them, what? That are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. It wasn't that the son hadn't messed up, but the father's love and his repentance was enough to cover it. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down. He's going to be thrown out which accuse them before God day and night. So we are, we are covered from an accusation. The second thing we're covered by is during trouble. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. He was only wanting to be a servant, And yet the father just ran to him, didn't care what mess he was in, he just hugged him. Comfort, so who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others, those in trouble, with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. If you know God loves you, then you can tell someone else, you know what, God doesn't just love me. He hasn't just covered my mess, he'll do the same for you. That's the covering I'm talking about. He can cover you in a time of trouble. Amen. He can cover you. He can lift you out in a time of trouble. The second thing we're covered in. The third thing we're covered in. And let me just read Psalms 46. says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now, would this prodigal son have been covered if he stayed where he was? Nope. He had to come to his own mind and say, I'm going to where I can get covered. If I stay where I am, I'm going to stay just like I am. There will be no change. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And the other scripture says, The righteous run into Where? We talked about the tower Sunday, right? And are saved. They run into the strong tower and are saved. We can be covered in a time of trouble. We can be covered in a time of spiritual attack. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. As long as you feel that pull in your heart, God is still speaking with you. God is still wanting you. You may be far away from Father's house, but as long as you have that pull that's saying, you know, I don't like where I am at. I hate this situation. God is still speaking to you. The danger is when you don't even feel that. When you can't feel anything anymore. Where there's no feeling, no, no pull. But as long as you hear that whisper, that feeling, I hate this situation. You know, as I've used that example that T.D. Jake's, gave about the difference between a pig and a lamb falling into mud. When the pig falls into mud, he says, hmm, this feels pretty good. (laughs) I like this. He's not in any hurry to get out. But if a lamb falls into the mud, the lamb is starting to bleat and cry. He wants out. Now, both of them are in the same mud, but one of them wants to get out. God wants us to be like the lamb and he's looking for us to cover us up. Amen. So we are covered from spiritual attack. My father which gave them to me is greater than all and no man, let's say no man, no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. It doesn't matter how far you go. If, if, that, if that call, if that voice is still speaking to you, you can still be saved. There is still a way back You know, it's like the GPS. You can't hurt its feelings. You know that. You can ignore it. And the first thing it will say is what? Recalculating. It's trying to get you another path back. And it'll say, turn left, turn left at the next turnaround. You go past that. It'll say, recalculating. It'll say, all right, turn at the next one. You go past that. It'll keep calculating. God's mercy will keep reaching us. We have to really do a lot to get God to give up on us. And I'm so glad about that. I have messed up so many times, and yet His mercy, in Psalms 139, I believe, His mercy endureth forever. Amen. As long as that that pull is there to get covered, to come back to Father's house, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them to Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. Jesus said... In John 17 to 20, when he was praying, he says, I've lost none of them. I've lost none of them, save for the son of perdition to fulfill the Scriptures. Now, I'm not not preaching once, save, always save. Scripture does say you have to make your calling and election sure. You have some things that we all have to do to get that covering. But we know where to go, don't we? We know where to turn. We know where to fall on our knees and to call out, to jesus we know we have to get out of the pigsty we know where we have to go so we can be covered from a spiritual attack that doesn't mean that people can't still hurt us i said a spiritual attack satan will by himself he can't hurt you but now when he gets into people that's when it's dangerous the bible says he worked in the children of disobedience Isaiah 54, verse 17, and you all know this one. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage. This is our inheritance of the servant. That's God's promise. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now you may say, well, Christians get killed. Christians get tortured. Christians get murdered. This is all true because we're on enemy territory. But if that was the end of it, if this was all there was to life then you could you could shake a fist at God and say God, you're unfair. You're 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 not you're not ju- you're not you're not a judge. You're a, not a, a god of justice because life is unfair. But this is nothing compared to eternity. The Bible says that I hath not seen nor ear heard what God hath got prepared for them that love him. If God could give us just one glimpse of eternity, of heaven, none of this stuff would mean anything. Jesus told the parable, right, of someone who realized that there was some a pearl of great price that was in this field and nobody else knew about it. And it was so valuable, so many more times valuable than the field that he sold everything he had so that he could buy the field. This is what we have to do. We have to make sure and sell everything we have to make sure that we make heaven. That we have the opportunity to be covered. We should also be covered from fear. Psalms 121 says, I lift up my eyes into the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, all of that goes for when you're trying to follow him. Now, if you decide you don't want to listen, then you can't be under the promises. The Lord will watch over his sheep if they stay with the flock. He will even after go after a, a sheep that has, that has wandered. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. If the son had stayed at father's house, would he have ever experienced the things he went through? No. No, he was living like top dog. He was the son of the the landowner. He would never have... Known anything about having to eat pig food? as long as we, we stay in Father's house, we are covered from fear. We're also covered from weakness. Second Corinthians 12:9. But he said unto me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now that doesn't make any sense. What Paul was saying is, I realized that when I'm weak, it gives an opportunity for God. To come into my life. If, if everything was ever always perfect. When would we pray? If if we just could snap our fingers. And everything we wanted. We would have no need. God sometimes allows a weakness into our life. So that we realize that we do have a need. Paul said my, my grace is sufficient. God told him listen Paul. I'm allowing you to go through some things. I'm allowing you to experience some whatever it was, some weaknesses, some hardship, so that you remain humble, that you don't get too big-headed, that you don't think it's all about you. And Paul finally got this, that he could be covered from weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me, may cover me. Because it's in our weakness when God delivers us, the struggles that we go through. That's when God's power is revealed. It was Lazarus' death that was the miracle. If, God had, if Jesus had come and healed him when he just had pneumonia, nobody would have said anything. Oh, just a coincidence. Everybody can recover from a little cold. But not everybody can come out of the grave after they've been there three days and buried. Sometimes, as I said, God will let our situation go to where Lazarus dies where our situation gets so desperate that only a miracle, only a miracle, that'd be a good title for a message, only a miracle will work. All I can tell you in my life, I've experienced God doing miracles for me. And I know that He can do it for you too. We can be covered from our weaknesses. That is why verse 10, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Now that make no sense. Paul is saying, I realize now that when I go through some hardship, I'm going to start looking for God to show up. I'm going to look around because God's got to show up. There's been some situations where I I know that unless God shows up, I'm dead. (laughs) I was in an accident that I was sure I was dead unless God showed up. And I know He showed up. Amen. Because otherwise I would be dead. And so even in our trials... If we can understand that we are covered, why do you buy insurance? To cover you. Say, we got you covered. And when you have an accident, you look it up and say, oh, I'm covered for that. I'm covered. Do you understand that God has the best insurance ever? Because even if you die, you are still covered. As they say, he, he it's not term life or Whole life, it's eternal life. You can't buy that at, um, what's it, Geico? What's, what's the... There's no insurance company that can sell the spiritual covering that God gives. Amen. We're covered even from a loss of faith. And I'm, I'm going to be wrapping up. Second Corinthians 4.16 And this is actually Satan's biggest weapon is when we begin to doubt God. Because we've prayed, because things have gotten so painful or difficult, and we begin to lose heart. He says, therefore, here's Paul, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, he says, even though outwardly, I'm wasting away. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed every day. For our light and momentary troubles, he describes what he was going through. You know, people are trying to kill him. And and stone him for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. God is looking at what you're suffering. God is writing it down. Don't think that God is not looking at what you're going through or doesn't know the path that you take. But here is the key to getting through. Here is the key to getting through. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. Verse 18. So instead of looking at our situation, we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Remember what I said? What you see is temporary. If it was to snow 12 feet tomorrow, I guarantee you by August it would be gone. It would look so bad you'd say, man, I can't get out. But it's temporary. What is seen, what you're going through is a season, it's temporary. Not on what is seen. So here's Paul's way of getting through. He says, I look at not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Things like God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. Since what is seen is temporary. Anything you can look at has got a shelf life. It's got an expiration on it. But what is unseen is eternal. God's grace, God's mercy. You can't see it Just like you can't see a toothache. But when you have one, you know you have it. You may not be able to prove that to anybody. I might not be able to prove to you that I know God's grace. But I know it's something you have to experience for yourself. We're covered by His grace. You can stand with me. I'm almost finished. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares or anxiety cast all your cares on him because he cares for you be alert of be of sober mind your enemy the devil is looking to see if he can get you if you watch these lion programs you know on youtube or you watch the these the lions they look at the flock and they don't pick the strongest ones they look around and they see who's hanging back who's kind of you know, separated themselves. Okay, that's an easy pick off. He's looking, it says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if you're in the middle of the flock, he can't get to you, he can only get the people who stay on the outside. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. What we're going through is not unique. There's people all over the world that are going through even so much more. So much more. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you... Now read this very carefully. After you have suffered a little while will Himself restore you and make you strong, and firm, and steadfast. Let me read it again. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The truth is about us humans, we only learn by bad experience. We learn the fire is hot by touching it. Finally, we are covered by his love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And that's something that you can't see, but it is something that you can feel. I talked today about spiritual coverings, and we need to have all of those that I've talked about. His grace, His love, covered from fear, covered from accusation, covered from anxiety, and we can have all those things if like the prodigal son we come back to father's. The Bible says the father met him a ways off so nobody at the house could see the state he was in. Then he called for the covering so he covered his shame so he could come back to the house and nobody could really see. Isn't that amazing? That was the father's love. He could have humiliated him and say okay you left like a man now you come back like a man. But he was so Loving of his son that he didn't even want him to be ashamed. He called for the robe before he even cleaned up so that nobody could see. I want you to think about that. How merciful and gracious God is. That he will not let you go. He's going to pursue you all the way till you, till you tell him you, you're done. Until you don't feel anything. But let's not get to that stage. Let's come running to the mercy seat. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's take that spiritual covering today and accept what God has for us. Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, help it, O oh God, to find good soil. Let us be encouraged to know, Lord God, that you cover our shame. You cover our messes, Lord God. Lord, if we truly repent, if we come to you, Lord Jesus, O oh God, you're willing to give us a covering of love, of grace, of faith, hallelujah, of defense. Lord, help us, O oh God. Give us the strength, Lord Jesus, to believe your word, to stand firm, Lord God, even in our weaknesses, even in our faults, Lord God. We call to you tonight, Lord God, for your blessings, even as we go let your promise rest and remain upon us hallelujah give us the strength and the grace lord god to endure as a good soldier we thank you right now jesus for your blessings and we give you the praise and the honor in jesus name hallelujah let's give god a praise offering tonight amen